the concept of being made new and being new and the position as new believers is something that we've been really looking at throughout this entire study so far. But this morning we'll look at a passage of this letter where Peter essentially puts it all together and says, since you're new, then do this. He's going to share with us just the essence of what it means to endure as believers in our new standing with God. And I find it interesting, specifically, um, kind of had a view of this in another area of my life this week. Uh, as most of you probably know, I'm a pastor. <laughs> but I'm also now a head coach of a soccer team. I, uh, I was recruited and uh, hired by volunteer status to coach a really prime, just highly talented U8 girls team in town. And my daughter happens to be on it, so there was a connection there. So, yeah. Um, I was out of town for their one and only practice, and I'd never met any of the players except my daughter. And yesterday was our very first game. And so, gathered this young team of future all-stars together, and the game started in about five minutes. So I didn't have a ton of time to go over all of my coaching philosophy and my strategy and the formula for success. So I just gave them the bare essentials. That's all I got for you. So I got them together and I said, listen, try to score a goal. We're going this way. <laughs> and listen to whatever I say after that. So I gave them basically three things. Uh, those are the essentials to get them started. But the beauty of where you begin is the essentials never change. Those essentials will stay with them for their entirety of their soccer careers. How they score, which way they go, and how they listen to their coach to get better. And as we look at the concept of being born again, new believers, new position in the grace of God this morning, we are going to look at the essentials that are for day one until the end. Which means whether you are truly a new believer, less than 24 hours old in the kingdom of God, or you have been following Jesus since you were a baby and you're old now. The essentials, the core of what it means to live for Jesus and endure until the end are the same. And they will be a blessing to receive this morning for the first time or the hundredth time because in the essence, in the essentials, there is the joy of what all of this is all about why we do anything that we do, how we do it, and where we're going. And I find those to be similar from what I shared to what Peter shares with us this morning. What's the goal? Where are we going? And who are we listening to? And we start with those things in mind in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Peter writing, as we've discussed in our very introduction to this, writing to these believers who are scattered throughout modern-day Turkey, the, the Roman Empire, going through trials for their faith from the outside world pressing in. He's given them the promise of their salvation, secure by the hand of God, their hope and inheritance in heaven. 
And they're charged to live set apart, different from the world around them. And he says, in light of those things, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brother. A lot of words to simply say, since you're saved by God's grace. Since you've been set apart, different from non-believers in the world, given the power of the Holy Spirit to be holy. Since you're being purified. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. This is the part of the bare essential speech, coach to player, apostle to church, that says this is the goal. This is the, the point of why you're in the game, of why you have been made set apart, why you're being purified. Since you are saved, love one another. So you came to church hoping to hear a profound message from the Bible, and it does not get more profound than the essence of why you exist as a believer of God to love one another fervently and with a pure heart. This is the entry point to the kingdom. This is the first message, God loves you, love one another. And this is the message that you will continue to grow in and be satisfied by and receive joy from for the rest of your walk on earth. It is the goal of your life to love one another. And I appreciate that Peter writing to those who are believers, newborns in Christ, set apart for the kingdom. He says, love one another. Oftentimes we hear the message of love and to make it something that isn't so, let's say, measurable, we apply the love that God has put in our hearts to share with one another for the distant mission field. We want to love across the world. We want to raise money and give it to those in need. We want to love those who are poor and uh, widowed and orphaned. And uh, we come in here to be built up and then love gets sent around the world. But Peter says love one another. Love your neighbor. Love the body of Christ that you fellowship with. Love the people that you come in the pursuit of God with. Love the young and the old in faith, in body. Love those who think different, act different. Love each other. It's kind of a refreshing way to think about what we're even doing this morning. How many of you woke up this morning knowing that it's Sunday and you said, okay, we're, we're going to rally the troops, we're going to make it to church, and you thought, I cannot wait to get to church because the music is fine, the preaching is passable. But what I, what I really can't wait for, this is what I'm just so excited for, I can't wait to see all of my fellow believers in Christ. I can't wait to see those who I've been going to church with and I'm becoming friends with and we're growing in for years. I can't wait to see who's new, who's God bringing into our city or into our church the first time. I'd even be excited if someone was in the chair that I always sit in, knowing that they probably didn't know that was my seat, but they're here, and I love them for it. That's not typically our view of what we're doing right now. Typically, we think of church as a pursuit of God through song and sermon, and people are necessary 
evils of that pursuit. It's like, yeah, you guys all go here too, but you're in my parking spot, you're in my seat, and I've been going here longer than you. Peter says, this is the goal, that we pursue God together, and we know we're doing that when we look around and we love one another. Love is not around the world. Love is across the street. And then he says, and here's a way to think about love as more than just a word. He says, I want you to love one another fervently and with a pure heart. So let's talk about those descriptors, those qualifiers for love. Fervently is probably not a word that any of you used this week in random conversation. If you did, I want to get to know you. But it essentially means with passion, a certain excitement. It's, it's not a love that is dutiful. It's not something that you do because you were told to do it or you know you're supposed to do it. When I ask my kids to do chores around the house, they'll vacuum and they'll make their bed, but it's not fervent. They're not like fervently doing that. Like, I can't wait. Thank you. I was waiting for my mission today. They're doing it because they have to. The question of your love being fervent is not if, but how your love is fervent. Because all of you are passionate about all sorts of different things that you can give your life to. One example, and it's a working theory right now, but it, you go to second, you can look around and see, second feels a little bit lighter than usual. And here's the interesting thing, you don't go to first, but I do, so I can tell you, uh, we're busting at the seams in first service. It's like we're, it's, there's nowhere to sit, the balcony's full, nowhere to park. So we've got a little bit of an imbalance. Now the theory is that some people are choosing to go to first so that they can leave the second service time slot open for football. <laughs> Because people love football. I don't blame you. It's great. But if you go to first, then you have your 11 o'clock open, and you can have your cake, and you can eat it too. Because people are passionate about their pursuit of this game that they love to watch. That they'll move their calendar around, and they will move their money around, and their time around, and their friend groups around, and their pursuits of everything else, so that that thing is the mission. That's fervency. I think of dog owners as well. It was, we were just out of town into one of those places where everybody seemed to have a dog. Dog owners are fervent for their dogs, aren't they? They love them so much. It's like dog mom on the back of their car and they're posting pictures of them for people to see. And I appreciate them especially because they also teach us about a pure pursuit. It's not a mixed motive. If you're a dog owner, you mostly love your dog because they're the object of your affection without expecting a ton back. Now, it gets more pure the smaller the dog gets. <laughs> because some, some big dogs can actually offer you things. Like a big dog could potentially bark if a, if a bad guy's coming in the house. A bird dog can go pursue something that you killed and bring it to you. It's like, okay, I love you and you help me out. A small dog gives you nothing. <laughs> a small dog will, it can't help. It can't retrieve. It barks only to annoy you. It bothers all of your friends. It cannot protect itself or do anything to help you with anything. And you small dog owners love them. That is fervent and pure. <laughs> and what Peter is saying is, how are you doing in the category of humans? Fellow believers, 
Are we able to look at the people that are also pursuing this living God, this object of our praise and our worship, this end game of eternity together, and we're able to have a passionate, no days off, I'll move my schedule around, I appreciate you so much that I will live to love you, and it's pure. It means... It's not about me. It's about the desire I have to be a loving person. And here's controversial statement of the sermon. There is such a thing as pure love, which means there's definitely such a thing as impure love. There's all sorts of ways that love is not always love in its purest form. There's all sorts of things that we can do in the pursuit of this thing that God has given us to give and to receive, and we can mix up the motives to make it not about self-sacrificing pursuit of someone else, but about ourselves. An example of impure love is you know, two young people think about what it means to be intimate together, and they think, well, we'd never be intimate together until we loved each other, so what happens? Well, then I love you right now. And a week later, someone's crying and says, I thought they loved me. I gave myself to them because I thought we were in love with each other, but it was really just for a moment. Here's another concept. Some of the best gift givers in the world are actually narcissists. There's a great motivation for someone who only thinks about themselves to give a gift because sometimes an act of love, a moment of charity, something that is, uh, can be seen by men as a great gift can actually be given with the motivation to make it all about the other person. Not about the other person, but about yourself. And Peter is saying now, with fervency and with purity, love each other. Why? Because that is how you have been loved. When we gather together with the object of our praise as God who first loved us, he is setting into motion the design for all relationships that flow from him. He loves you fervently and sincerely. He loves you before you could ever give him anything in return to glorify his name or allow your good works to be seen by men. He loves you at your worst. He loves you with compassion. He loves you with mercy. He loves you with a desire to give himself for you and to build you up. And that is the mission and the goal is to now be an image bearer of that love. And as we continue, we come to another essential aspect for believers of all ages to carry with us in all walks of the stages of being a believer of how this fervent and pure love is possible today. And Peter will go on to say in verse 23, having been born again, another, it's a picture of your newness. You're a new creation. You've been born again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of a man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flowers falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now Peter will say, with this concept in mind, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. 
I want you to think about another core essence of what it means to believe and endure is to know the power of the enduring word. He says the word which abides and lives forever. The word that is incorruptible. The word that has the power to save you and to acknowledge the fact that you were born again by its power. And he says, now let's do an object lesson. Quoting Isaiah. Now let's look at flesh and the flowers of the field. Now let's consider your glory. It all fades away. You're born again and your old nature was corruptible. The ESV says it was perishing. It was wearing away. Just like the grass in the field, it sprouts up, it blossoms into a flower, the noonday sun hits it, it withers away, and so is the glory of all men. It fades. And this is a reality that all of us from time to time get a reminder of in real time. We are perishing. We're fading away. There was a man visiting our church a few months ago, and he had gone to our church years ago. I recognized him from six or seven years ago. And we greeted each other and gave him a hug, and he looked at me and he said, wow, it must be so hard to be a pastor. And I said, why? And he goes, because you look so much older than when I was last year. And I was like, it is hard being a pastor. <laughs> but the reality is it's hard being a human. I'm corrupting, I'm perishing, I'm going gray, I'm, going, I'm, I'm getting stiff, my kids are growing up, which means the older they get, the older I get. And the reason that Peter is reminding believers of this right now is because that's the old you. You've been born again into a new nature that is incorruptible. The word of God has been planted into your hearts to give you newness of life in the inner person. And the word of God does not fade away. It endures forever. Every single believer has got a war going on between two natures that live inside of them. The corruptible and the incorruptible. The temporary and the eternal. The things that are fading away and the glory that will endure forever. And when the going gets tough, and when you go down the road a little bit of trying to love people and trying to pursue God and going through various trials that test your faith, sometimes the corruptible nature wants to win the day. And you think to yourself, well, this is the end of the line for me. I, I'm too weary to love people. I'm too weary to hope in anything. Life is too hard right now to continue to trust God. It's all fading away. And Peter said, not so. You have been born again. The word is in you and the word endures forever. So then you endure forever. This is the part of the little essence speech as a coach where we talk about where we're going. We are going to eternity. There is no trial. There is no difficulty. There is no weariness of the soul. There is no fading away for the things that we observed before us that ever puts an expiration date on the essence of God's call on your life for earth and eternity. 
Your old man is perishing. Your new man in Christ, your new woman, is being renewed day by day by day. You are not done loving people. You are not done learning to have passion in your pursuit of God's people. You are not done being purified by the holy word of God to increase your capacity to love God and love people. You are enduring, you are abiding, because the word endures and abides in you. And so this is good news. For those of you who believe, you are observing a world that is decaying before your eyes. You laughed when someone called me old. Now it's my turn. You're old too. You're all perishing. You're all getting a little bit older and a little bit grayer, hopefully a little bit wiser, a little bit closer to the flower of the field that falls away. And everything around us has a shelf life. There's nothing in this world, animal kingdom, natural world, physical flesh, that is not marching towards falling away. But here is the amazing news. There is one thing that survives. It is, in fact, the word of God. The incorruptible, unstoppable, never changing, always true, promises that will be yes and amen in Christ, word of God, yesterday, today, and forever, and it is yours. It lives and breathes inside of your soul. You are enduring forever. We are people that will keep going. There is no trial that slows down the mission of your life to love God and love people. And, of course, Peter says there's a part of this that does come with some go forth and do. We had the first object lesson of the grass of the field. Now we get a second object lesson. Once again, framed for the newness or the new believers. He says in chapter 2, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So he says, okay, two natures, old you, new you, perishable, incorruptible. Lay aside the old and live in the new. How do you do it? The object lesson now is a newborn baby. How do newborns continue into the life that they've been given freely? They're nourished by their mother's milk. And so we're supposed to see newborns and there's a joy in it and it's a real life blessing. And we also say, we're supposed to be inspired by that. He uses the picture of newborns because he is speaking to believers who are in fact newborns in their life in Christ. And this is the moment where once again, I qualify all of us as new believers. This is not a message that is just for those of you who chose to have a public display of your belief on baptism during the church in the park. Or those of you who came forward at the Harvest Crusade altar call. Or those of you who recently gave your life to the Lord through a sinner's prayer or a moment with God when you read his word and received it. And it was last week or last year. This is for all of us who believe. Don't ever think that you're done being a new creation in Christ. Your life, 
no matter what your timeline of earthly years is, compared to eternity is a grain of sand in the hourglass. All of us are going to get to heaven and praise him for 10,000 years and we'll have 10,000 years and we'll just be getting going. So what does this mean? It means be inspired by the newborn. Nourish your souls like a new, newborn drinks milk. And so we just consider the object lesson just for a moment because newborns are so cute. I, do, does anyone have one? Maybe I'll just hold it during this part of the sermon. They're so cute. How, do, how does a newborn desire its mother's milk? Fervently. I have the blessing of being in the household of four newborns over the past 10 years. It has been a beautiful picture of just the intense human longing for food. When a newborn is hungry, it reminds you that they come with these little tiny nails that scratch. You see how high they can scream. Uh, they will show you the instant athletic skills they have waiting for you as they reject everything but their mother's milk. That's why they, I think that old saying, they, uh, God made newborns small so they wouldn't kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and, then he's, and then it says, and he made them cute so you don't kill them. Because there's this, uh, you know, newborns. And then let's ponder what it's like when they are freshly fed. A newborn can go from anger and distress worry, concern, to one of the most beautiful scenes in the world, sleeping like a baby. You can hold them in your arms. Anybody, you can pass them around once they're satisfied by that milk. You can lay them down and put them in different poses and move them and take pictures. And sometimes my favorite part is they'll look at you and they'll just smile, the smile of freshly satisfied newborn. That is the relationship that Peter wants us to have with the Word. The Word of God in the consumption of it as we read it. The Word of God, as he says, that was preached to you. As you just cherish it and believe in it. And you do have a living hope. You hope for heaven. You consider all the promises of God as something that you just cling to in your heart, in your mind, in your perspective as you navigate life. You live out the nourishment of the word and it satisfies your soul. And thereby grow. And that is one of the essentials of walking out your relationship with Jesus on earth is that you are a growing little disciple day by day by day. And one thing worth mentioning is that this message does not have to have the application point be, and try really hard to grow. And go home and work on growing as a disciple in Christ, because newborns will show you growth is inevitable. Growth is going to happen in your life. My wife and I got to step away from our kids on a little anniversary getaway for four days, and we came back last week, and I thought... I'm not usually away from you guys. This is crazy. You're growing in four days. You're bigger. And then as I was looking at anniversary pictures of our, you know, our wedding, I thought, I've grown too <laughs> in different directions. You know? You're growing in something, always. Uh, Peter gives a, a, a list that some of them probably were growing in. He says, lay aside malice. 
Malice is just evil intent. You can grow in that. He says, all deceit. Stop being a deceptive person. That can grow. It can snowball. Hypocrisy can grow. Envy can grow. Evil speaking can grow in you. You can grow bitter towards people instead of loving. You can grow hard-hearted towards God. You can go cold-hearted towards one another. You can grow distant. You can grow apart. There's something happening in your life right now that is growing inside of you, and it'll take you in one of two directions, corruptible or incorruptible. Are you growing in righteousness or are you growing in unrighteousness? Are you growing in worldliness or are you growing in godliness? And new believers, seasoned believers, the question is, are you growing in the word? Growing in the nourishment that comes from knowing God's promises, his enduring and living and abiding word of God, growing inside of you, that you would have your mind fixed on enduring to eternity, and you would grow in the best metric that you can ever find in your desire to be a godly person, and that is not growing in church attendance, not growing in memorization, not growing in theological debate skill, not growing in your ability to evangelize the lost. Are you growing in love? That is the full circle that Peter has taken us on this morning. He says, you're purified, you're different. Love one another. Endure with one another because the word endures in you. And grow in your love for one another. The goal is love. The direction, eternity. And the inevitable result will be that you grow in those two things in your life. So we end with this final statement because... I suppose all sermons, anything you ever listen to that is ever preached on a Sunday or shared with you, it could land in one of two areas of your heart. Some of you may hear this and think, oh, he's so right. I have to do better. I have to be a better lover of people. I'll just, I've got to try harder. I've got to wake up earlier and not be so tired so that I can love people better. It's not a bad idea. And you think, okay, yeah, I've got to endure. I, I doubt God all the time. I just, I need to do better at morning devotions and I'm going to journal more and just remember more and not a bad idea. And you get to this last part and it's like, yes, I do need to be built up. I I'm just going to, I have to be more nourished. I'll listen to more sermons. I'll listen to the, the Bible preached. I'll, I'll read more, more Bible studies, more. Because there is a human tendency to hear anything that is good for your life and think the only way you'll ever get it is if you figure it out. The only way that it'll ever be achieved is if you make it happen. But Peter qualifies this whole entire message, the essentials of who you are as a believer in Christ, enduring to the end. He says in the final section that we'll read today, chapter 2, verse 3, do all of this if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. 
This is all rooted in you having one experience, one taste, one preview of the grace of God in your life. If you've tasted his goodness, then continue in it. And every one of these categories is impossible as homework that you have to do. Our tendency is not to be great lovers of people of all different kinds. Usually, we default towards being annoyed, annoyed with people. And yet, how does it start? It says, since you've been purified through the Spirit, the, God's, the God who loved you with abundant mercy sent His Son to give His blood for you, sent His Spirit to sanctify you and make you pure. Because God loves you perfectly, love one another. In the Word, it says, having been born again through the power of the Word. You didn't cause your own second birth. The Word was preached. It was given freely, like a farmer throws seeds into the ground. And God had it land on a portion of your, part that re, of your heart that received it, and you grew in the power of the born-again Spirit. You didn't make yourself born again. And then he says, as newborns, is there any better picture of the utter dependency we have on the grace of God than a newborn? A newborn can do nothing. A newborn receives the free gift of life, and then every ounce of their being and every second of their day, they're cared for by the people who love them. And this is your essential life in Christ. To love one another because you've been loved by God. To endure because his word endures in you. And to grow because he nourishes you like a mother nourishes a newborn. It is all the grace of God. And so for us who are believers, who have been set apart, who, uh, who have been purified, we, we take this morning as our day one essentials until the end. Today, love one another. Today, endure by the power of the word. Today, grow up in the nourishment of God's word and do it for the rest of your life. And then there are those who are not part of the new believer category. You've never actually received the power of your word as a free gift to you as a born-again believer. And so we end remembering what all of this came through. The perishable becomes imperishable. Until you accept the free gift of God's grace to give you newness of life by His Spirit, you live in the category of perishing. You still live observing all of the things in this world that are crumbling around you, knowing that your day soon will follow. Every one of us appointed once to die. Every one of us seeing the leaves fall from the trees as the fall months come and say, that is our fate. The cycle of life and death awaits. And today, you can receive the word that was preached. You can receive the promise that inside of you lives the incorruptible, the imperishable, the free gift of newness of life for all who believe. And as you think about that, an invitation from God to you, we're going to have our final object lesson.
Peter says, if indeed you have tasted the grace of God, we will do all of these things. We will abide, we will endure. Well, we're going to taste it. We are going to receive it. Because there is a moment that we remember and that we fixate on every time we gather to answer this question with a resounding praise God we have. And that is the grace of God that was displayed on the cross of Christ. That was the grace of God who yet while we were still sinners sent his son into the world to pay the penalty for our perishing nature, death. For all of the ways that our sin and corruptibility has affected the world and deserves to die, God sent his son to take the penalty of death and give us the free gift of life. And all of us, through the cross of Christ, can freely taste the grace of God.